you have your Bibles, are, we're going to turn to Psalm 51. And uh, that's going to be our, what we might call our anchor scripture. And I want to talk to you about the fourth barrier or hindrance to uh, spiritual things or to your spirit. And that is <clears throat> the subject of attitude. Attitude. So that's our lesson today. And we're going to begin and look only at one verse in Psalm 51. I contemplated looking at Psalm 51 in, in some detail, but I've decided to, in order to cover the ground that we want to talk about in terms of attitude, you'd be surprised how critical attitude is to spiritual victory. For example, and I'm not even, I'm saying this in, in preface because I don't intend to come back to it, but if you don't have faith and your attitude is an attitude of disbelief, then you cannot take the steps forward that you need to take spiritually. You have to believe God. Have you ever been right at the Red Sea and you didn't think you could make it and all of a sudden the Lord came through? Hallelujah. Anybody? The Lord was there when you needed him. Oh, I remember when I was sick in body and I didn't have a, a way, but God healed my body. Hallelujah. So there have been times, you know, I have, uh, well, I, I've got to be careful here, but there have been times in my life where there were things that it looked impossible. But we know that with God, all things are possible. And uh, how many plan to go to heaven? Anybody here plan to go to heaven? Praise God. Hey, by the way, we've got a really good group here just starting right off. And I was, uh, I was saying to the Lord, well, I know it's cold. And, and uh, when I left this morning, it was really, really early. And it was, I mean, it was like, this is Georgia. I was really quite surprised. I thought I woke up in Michigan. But I was actually in Georgia. All right. So we're looking at Psalm 5110. And would you read it with me? Create in me a clean Heart, O oh God. So there, let's say that again. Now let's read just the first part again. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. That's very, very interesting. And I know that all of us are thinking, well, how do we get a clean heart? Well, it has to be the Lord, because if you have an unclean heart, then it takes God's forgiveness and so on. So we know that. That's another lesson. But I want you to notice that it's all a matter of the heart. Everyone say the heart. Praise God. So it is a matter of the heart. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And then let's keep going. And renew a right spirit within me. And so we have the great uh, psalmist praying this prayer in the really... Uh, the reason I decided not to cover 51 in any other detail is because of the great repentance that David is going through. And I didn't want to turn this into a discussion about repentance. I wanted it to be a discussion about the heart. And that is the attitude. Attitude comes from what the Bible often refers to as the heart. Now, we know that that's not the physical cardia, as the, as the Greeks would say, or the, the cardiac or the, the muscle that pumps the blood. That doesn't have anything to do with attitude. That has only to do with the, with the physical. But just like all cultures have done, we refer to the heart as that center place 
of our being. And so from the very, which we mean by that, of course, our soul is what we mean. We mean our soul and our spirit are the real person. The invisible person is what we really mean when we say that. But we talk in terms of my mind or my heart, not just my brain. So we've got this, not do we, in a lot of folks today in this modern culture, they think that the brain is everything. The brain can do this and this and this. And all the, these spiritual things are taking place in a person's brain. But that's not true. There's something about you. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Beyond just your physical being. And that is your spiritual being. And that's why it's critical. Just like, just like, for example, you would take, like, I know people that just exercise, you know. You notice I'm exercising as I tell you that. And boy, they get on the treadmill and they're running. I see people alongside of them. And I like to wave at them. Hey, how you doing? And boy, they're in shape, but they're not doing one thing for their soul. They think it's all about their body. They'll live longer. They'll feel better. That less, you know, which is French. I were talking just this week about an apple a day, an apple a day, what that would be and so on, health and so on. And all of that is fine and good. And of course, uh, you know, they say that the people out of shape always make fun of the folks exercising and so on. That's, that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to say is that it, it would be great if we would, the attention that we give to our outward appearance and the physical person, if then we would realize there's more to us than just what we see in the mirror. There is a spiritual person, and that's what we call the heart. So David cried out, of course, in this prayer, he included this, create in me a clean heart, O God. In other words, bring, bring about a fresh now, and, and so this is what I'm starting with. There's no way for you to have a proper attitude or in other words if you have the wrong for example and i'm i'm in the whole already i'm barely even started that the when you have a wrong attitude about ministry about the church about the bible about what's right and wrong and you don't listen to anybody now i know some people think oh the preacher just wants to tell us what to do or or the church wants to tell me or uh, you know i don't want anybody telling me what to do by the way that's the number one problem in our culture right now nobody can tell anybody what to do because the new postmodern idea is that nobody has any answers so if we decide to just kill everybody that we don't like or we decide to we just do it we're in a culture folks i want to tell you the culture we're in is in trouble and there is an answer and it's the god of heaven and he tells us in his word how to live and what to do. And he can shape our heart. But the only way to get your attitude in shape, to get it right, is for you to come back to God. We call that renewal. And so he says, create in me a clean heart and renew. Everyone say renew. It has to be done. It, there's no other way. You can say, I got the Holy Ghost 20 years ago. I've, been, I've read my Bible 155 times. Great, but I want to know what you're doing right now. What you did 100 years ago is one thing, but what you're doing right now is what's critical because if you're going to have the heart that God wants you to have, you have to renew yourself in the spirit. Can you say praise the Lord? All right, so create in me a clean heart. Let's read it together. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now see, all of us here today, I can just tell you, I know you, you don't think I know this. As we are reading this, in your heart, in your spirit, you're thinking, Lord, please do it. Please help me. Help me to 
be what I ought to be. Praise God. What's, what is that? Is that an old hymn? Make me what I ought to be. Is that an old hymn? Okay, old, that's an old hymn. Help me to be more like thee. Okay, now, I want to look at two scriptures. The first one, and that he died for all, that they which live, in other words, I'm going to break it down now. In other words, if you become a Christian and you have spiritual life, then you should not henceforth, henceforth is an old English word for, for now on, from this point forward. So, so that from henceforth, we should not live unto ourselves. Now we're beginning a little process here where I want to look at some aspects of attitude. The first one, of course, is renewal. And I'm, I haven't left it, but I want to begin to add in some of the process of becoming spiritual and having what I'm calling here a God-honoring attitude. For example, you know, you could even be wronged, have a right attitude. You could be wronged. I mean, someone said, I'm I'm not taking that, bless God, I'm not taking... See, we could do that too. I'm going to knock their... You know, we we can have all kinds of attitude. But what about a God-honoring attitude? See, that's really what we're looking for. What about an attitude that's going to keep me on the firing line? And I'll tell you something else. I want to tell you one more thing. If you get your orders from the altar, that's very different from you just making up your mind, oh man, how dare them, bless God. You've got to keep yourself in the presence of God. Hallelujah. And when you do that, then everything's going to be different. And so he said he died for all that they which live, meaning you become a Christian, should not henceforth live unto themselves. In other words, now listen to me. If you have an attitude that it's all about you, then you have the wrong attitude. Because if you're a Christian and you have Christian life in you, that life was given to you so that you would know that it's now about others. Now, now, see, some of you didn't hear me. I didn't say, now you're a milk toast. I didn't say you're a doormat. Had a dear little sister years ago before I was ever in Georgia, and she had the idea that it was that she just had to allow him to beat on her. And I said, No, 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 you, you don't have to allow that. You don't have to allow that. I said, Let me tell you why you're doing that. And she, she was different things in her life. She thought, Well, I deserve, she was telling me she deserved that. And I said, no, no, you, you don't deserve that. You, you may think you deserve it because, you know, you're, you're this and that and your child growing up and all that. And now you think that you're not good enough so if someone beats on you, that's just what you deserve in life. I said, you don't have to put up, you should not put. I said, one day, you're not going to live through it. And I said, you need, to, you need to let the Holy Ghost change your life to the extent that you no longer become someone's punching bag. You become a new person. And you begin to look at the And that's exactly what God did in her life. Begin to change her. And she began to say, oh, 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 no, you're not. And the boy, whoo. Who is this? Who is this woman? Well, this is the new, your new wife. Your first wife is dead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right. So they that live should not henceforth live unto themselves. That is our 
Uh, that doesn't mean that you're somebody's uh, punching bag. Does it mean that you don't have any rights? And oh, they steal it. You just say, oh, oh, yeah. Here, take care of it. Take my kids. Or take my kids and throw them in the ocean. You wouldn't do that. You'd defend. You'd protect. You'd do everything you have to do. But you would do it with an attitude and the proper responses that make you a godly individual. A God-honoring response. Let me, no, no, some of you aren't listening to me. It is not God-honoring to let someone beat on your kids and wound your kids and say, oh, well, I, I'm just a Christian. I don't want to, you know. That's not God-honoring. Let someone abuse your kid. Oh, I let that guy come in and then, no, 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 that's not God-honoring. God-honoring is to have an attitude that says, I'm going to do what God would have me do. And sometimes that is to say, stop it. No, or whatever. Okay, that's that part. Now, so in other words, when you have the, a God-honoring attitude, then we're talking about being spiritual to become a spiritual person. And I, I know that everyone here today has a desire to become spiritual. You'd love to be more, more like the Lord. Did anybody feel that here this morning? I just want to be more like the Lord. I, I know sometimes I have people say, Brother French, I seem like I'm doing good, and then I take two steps back. And, and, and then they, and I, they think I'm going to say, oh, how horrible. And I say, well, hey, you took a step forward. And then you took two steps back. Why don't you try taking three steps now? And, and then you, you'll take a few steps. In other words, the devil tries to beat you up that you're not everything you should be. But if your heart is God honoring, then more and more and more you're going to become what he wants you to be. All right. And then, of course, we're, uh, we're going to go back a chapter. For which cause we faint not. See, I'm down here now. We, we don't faint, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed every year or so. <laughs> yes, we don't faint, don't give up. That, that's, I'll leave that there, but though our outward man perish, That the inward man is renewed day by day. Now, if you're trying this month by month, that there's your problem right there. It has to be a daily journey, a daily walk. You can't say, I'll pray once a month. We just ended a fast and we had a, I think we had a record number of people. I can't tell you the people that said, I'm fasting and I'm part of it and they'd never fasted and would never have been, or at least not with us and so on, different things like that. And I remember when I, I was a young person and, and they called the fast and I was, I'm going to fast. <laughs> I'm fasting forever, you know. And after about two hours, oh! <laughs> Demons are trembling everywhere. And mom heard me in the kitchen at four in the morning. She said, what are you doing in here? I was just a kid. I'm breaking my fast. Breakfast. <laughs> See, that was because I was inexperienced and I, I didn't know. But I will tell you something about that. I mean, I, I know that's terrible. And I'm, I'm admitting to things that I should probably leave in the uh, annals of time. But 
But that really taught me some things. And then I made my mind up. I'm, I'm fasting again. And I'm going to fast all the way to 6 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I was ready to just really fast. And I did. And then my brother got the Holy Ghost. And one day my brother, he would say, well, yeah, but I, I want to go on a, a, a longer fast. And I'd say, no, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I can do it. I think I can do it. I didn't think he could do it. And then after the Lord, after a little bit of time, the Lord began to deal with him. And I'll never forget, he walked in and he said, Talmadge, I feel like I ought to go on a seven-day fast today. I'm starting today. I said, now, treat us, you, uh, uh, you know, you, you, now you're new. I knew you're probably just, you're just thinking that. You, you might, might not ought to commit. No, I, I believe I can. And uh, about the sixth day, I was, I said, well, I'm going to join you. Uh, Somewhere in there. So I learned from that. I learned that a brand new Christian could be so changed by the Spirit and renewed in their life that they begin to become the, the, the spiritual person. And so he would come and he'd say, man, I'm, I'm on the seventh day. I thought I was going to die on the fifth day. And, and then I, I was, was going to fast like get right at the end and jump in, you know. So at least I could say, well, I'm fasting with you at the end here. And uh, he got to that seventh day, and that was the very first time I said, you know, Joel, I didn't know, because I was just a young man myself. I didn't even know that it was, I, I just didn't, no one had ever said, hey, go on a seven day or ten day or whatever. And so if you apply yourself and let the Spirit renew your heart, in fact, why don't we just praise him right now for what he has done in our life. God, we thank you because we are taking steps and we're, we're making progress as hard as it may be to, be to honor you in our heart and our attitude, oh God, and help us to do it in Jesus' name. Praise God. Okay, now the key, of course, uh, we'll see here in Psalm 34, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to, to cut off the remembrance of them. So there it is. Now, that's really hard for some people to, to see that God loves his children and that evil he abhors and that there is judgment for evil. So that's, we're in a culture where people just say, well, if you, if you murder people, that's because you didn't eat enough uh, oatmeal when you were little. And if you had, had a little more oatmeal, you wouldn't be murdering people and so on. That's the kind of day that we're in. And so we protect and defend as though what people do, they have no responsibility for. And so we're, we're getting, it's getting worse and worse and so forth. But God looks at evil and he says, I, my face is against it. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all, everyone say all, their troubles. The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart. All right? So we're coming back to this question of the heart. The Lord is near them that are of a broken heart and he and saveth. And I don't want you to think of saveth here in the sense of fills them with the Holy Ghost or whatever. I want you to think of it in terms of delivers them. He, the word save, even in Hebrew, is a word that means gives away. He, he, uh, you are in trouble and he saves you. That, that kind of saved. Like, and I, I'd just say, I would have translated it delivers. And he delivers such as be of a what? A con, 
trite spirit. So you, you can see now that I'm, I'm conflating the word spirit. I could have said soul, although I would, I would want you to understand there is, there is a difference, but you could speak in the same way, that I, I need to have a contrite spirit. Now, I want to also say that when you use this kind of term, you're talking about a person's, the attitude of their heart. That's what you're talking about. They have a contrite attitude. I, if you don't know the difference, just come and see me, and I, I can introduce you to some folks that do not have a contrite heart. They don't have a contrite heart. No matter, you could say, no matter what you, yeah, but you, you but you, her eye, look at her eye, you, and look at her teeth, you, you knocked one of her teeth out. But God, she, she, They don't have a contrite spirit. They know everything. They know that nobody, God, nobody can tell them anything. But when you have been given a new life and you are walking in that life, suddenly you want to renew that every single day. Lord, I need you. I know I don't want to go back to what I was. <laughs> and so, so the Lord is nigh them of a broken heart and, and save as such. If you know everything, you don't need God. You don't need God. Just use your gun. You know everything. That's the kind of world we're in. Uh, I'm upset at people. I, I, we have saints here that have been attacked and hurt and, and uh, people robbed and, and their homes and so on. I'm just sick of a culture that says what's yours is mine and you mean nothing to anybody. You're just vermin. I just care nothing for you. And then I'm supposed to pity you because you, you want somebody else's extra buck for yourself? And you're going to blame the world because you got a hard life? And then you take this elderly person and you kick them around and you... Uh, I mean, I, I don't have any sympathy for people... I love them, but I have no sympathy for their wrongdoing. You, nobody's going to help you as long as you're like that. But if you get a contrite spirit and you say, help me, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I've had some really bad boys. And I'd say, come over here and say that in front of your mother. You think it's cute in front of the preacher. Say it in front of your mother. Oh, my mother's here? Your mother's here. Come in here. Come in here, honey. See, he just was telling me that. Oh, uh, suddenly there's a whole ch attitude change. All right, so let's keep going. That's Psalm 34. Now, uh, let's talk about developing a spiritual attitude. Now, Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, and I've, I've listed all nine, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And then the little dots here mean I, I didn't read the whole verse. Now, let's read it together, shall we? And we'll just read it slowly. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And that, that surely is spelled I don't know. Doesn't that look like it's spelled wrong? All right. So um, I wonder who typed that. But uh, if you cultivate in your life the spirit and what uh, figuratively is called the fruit, that meaning that the, what the spirit produces in a person is not I'm going to knock your block off and so on. What it produces is 
all of these things. Now, here is a modern translation, and, and I have gone through and I have suggested that this is exactly correct. They've translated it. This, so I, I wouldn't always agree with the NIV, but in this case I do. Love. All right, it produces love. It produces joy. And it produces peace. And so if you have an attitude, if you have an attitude of love, for example, then that changes everything. As they say, love changes everything. Love, it, when you have an attitude of love. Now, there are people that selectively love. You know, they love like their own, you know, and stuff like that. And, and, and that's good. But, I mean, you, you should love, have a, an attitude of love, we might say. And then, of course, the quality of joy or the fruit of joy. Joy in your life. And there are many, many people that cannot cultivate an attitude of, of rejoicing, which is the same Greek word, to rejoice. Or um, Some people can find nothing to rejoice about. They find no joy they, because something steals their joy. They're always, uh, now I'm not saying that, uh, I, 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 okay, let me, let me rephrase that. I don't, I don't want anybody to misunderstand me. Lots of things steal your joy. We all know that. Your child's in the hospital and, boy, that's hard to have joy there. If the doctor says incurable, it's hard. Very, uh, no, nobody is, uh, uh, n- n- we're not, nobody's scolding anyone because their joy suddenly vanished. And that's not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the inability to cultivate a rejoicing attitude. For example, good news comes. For ex- let me give you a good example. If someone else has good news, it's just like, meh. That's their good news. It's, it's amazing. Hey, folks, I, you're not going to like this, but here I'm, I'm saying it anyway. You should be able to rejoice over your brother and your sister's good fortune. Now, I don't mean just exactly like your own. And, and I'm going to say something else. I, say, I know I'm not going to be popular. I may have to, I may have to, uh, I don't know what I may have to do. But I, I, I know it's not possible for you to love someone else's children the way you love your own. I, I know that. And that's, a, that's biblically true. Now, I know people, oh, you ought to love some, their kids just like your own kids. Someone said that. I said, are you, what I got to love their kids like my own, exactly like my own kids. In other words, my own kids are nothing, just like all the billions in the world. Well, that, that'd be crazy. It'd be like saying I've got to love. Everybody's wife. See, folks? Mm-hmm. Caught you, didn't I? Because it's not possible. It was never meant to be. I was meant to be the father of my children. I was meant to be the husband of my wife. That was God's plan. There's nothing irregular, improper, or selfish, or stingy about it. What is, what is improper is when I lose my ability to transfer the joy of my own life into what others are doing and what they're feeling. That's the Christian spirit. <laughs> okay, 
Well, I, I thought we'd get a big applause on that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, so love, joy, peace, uh, patience. See, now I'm, see what I've done here? I'm going from the King James. I'm going down here. So I'm using this. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. See, I'm making sure you see that I'm saying it that way. Gentleness and self-control. Okay. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 5, love your enemies. And uh, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I was, I had an entire message prepared uh, I was going to re-preach the sermon by Dr. King. I'm, I'm just saying that I, I was going to use the same title from 1957 and we were going to honor the memory of Dr. King, but we had a Holy Ghost move and I never got, I never preached a word that day. But uh, he entitled his message that day, Love Your Enemies. And it's, I know I say this a lot because when I really like someone, I, I, I tend to say I like everything they do, but I really, really love this. I would have to say it's in the top, um, it's in the top, uh, I'm running out of time. It's in the top of all the things I've ever heard Dr. King. I know that, that all, in fact, Every, every uh, book, everything that talks about his great, great speeches, they call them. And some were speeches, but a lot of those are sermons. They call them, they were sermons. But of course, you know, there's the really, really famous, but it's always in the top 10. This sermon is always in the top 10. Love your enemies. And, and I was going to remind this congregation that Dr. King said that when you, when you are challenged to love your enemies, oh, I can't even think of it. For example, he, he uses in there the marvelous story. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see if i got a time to say it. Where he tells of Lincoln had a debate running for president and the, the, the challenger got up and said, this, this man is the stinkingest, worst, lanky. Who would on a president that looked like that bean pole? That's the way he talked about him. It's all in, it's all in the history books. And after he was elected president, they had a great search for his cabinet. The very first man he chose for his cabinet was the bean pole candidate and his Advisor said, Mr. President, I, I respectfully, sir, you, you, you do know what this man's been saying about you, don't you? He says, I certainly do. I've smarted with every, every comment, but he is definitely the best man in the country to run the War Department, and he became Secretary of War. For some reason, his name won't snap in my mind. But anyway, so the night that Booth shot Lincoln in the, uh, in the theater and they rushed him over to the uh, house across the way to try to save him. The 
yeah, you, you already figured it out. Very first man that they called that ran into that and prayed beside him was his secretary of war. And when he died in his, and, and all that went on that night, when Lincoln died, the first press report was from the very man who had hated him. He released a report. This is, I, I can't get the quote right. I'm just saying it from my memory, but this is the greatest man that ever lived. And these quotes now are the greatest quotes about Lincoln ever read anywhere. The man that hated him, Lincoln loved him, gave him a second chance, and they became great friends. Let's stand. Let's stand together. So attitude, a change of heart. Let the spirit produce its fruit in your life and you will be a new person. Can we just lift our hands together and thank God for that? Father, I know that you can help us. Sometimes loving someone is not easy. And we know sometimes life is not easy. But I pray right now, Lord, that we can get past the barriers Lord, of attitude that would destroy us, that keep us from listening to the word of God, listening to the man of God. And I pray that you will bless today and allow your spirit to move in a special way. And we give you praise. Amen.